Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What is up, fantasy football fanatics? What is up, IDP Army, Dynasty Defenders? It's your man, Jordan Reigns, at 50 Shades of Drunk. Got an awesome show for you all today. Going to be talking with one of the best ball aficionados of the world. Um, and we're going to be talking about some players that we like. But before we get into that, if you are watching on the channel, make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed. And if you're wa- listening on the podcast feed, make sure you're watching on the channel. You want to make sure that you get, you know, the whole gambit of what we do. But, um, yeah, I'm not even going to beat around the bush. I'm going to bring him on now, my man, Michael Leone. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, appreciate your time. Appreciate everything you guys do over at Establish the Run. Um, and I appreciate, you know, again, taking the time uh, to be here with me to talk best ball. I'm sure I think, uh, you know, obviously you're probably in some drafts right now. You know, you wake up every morning, you got to check in on those slows. I'm recently coming around to slow drafts. But um, tell us a little bit about what you do for anybody that maybe isn't, uh, you know, familiar with you. Uh, this is my guy. I call him the source. You know, everything you hear <laughs> in the best ball streets. The original source is probably this guy right here. So tell us a little bit about the best ball manifesto where people can find that. Yeah, you can find it over at Establish the Run. This is going to be my fourth NFL season over at Establish the Run. I do, you know, I, I, I'm i the director of analytics over there, which sounds like fancier than it is, but I kind of run like our projections and like data stuff in the back end. But then I do a lot of content, you know, for DFS and and recently best ball. Uh, best ball is growing like crazy the last few years. So we're devoting more resources to it. I love best ball, the strategy behind it to me is so much fun and the ability to just draft so many teams too. Like you can't do that in a regular managed league because you just die doing waivers in season. So I wrote this best ball manifesto a couple months ago. And the idea was I just wanted to do all this research, research from best ball mania three, get it all in like one spot, one document. And then I figure I could kind of riff off that document for, for the whole summer, adjust accordingly to, you know, the, mm-hmm. the different nuances we're seeing for best ball mania four. Excellent. Excellent. So what were, you know, I've read it. It's like I said, before I told you know, open it up, it's thick. It's a thick document, y'all. It's not something you open and you're just like, Oh, it's, it's not one of those three minute reads, you know, those four minute reads. If you're sliding through LinkedIn, this thing's going to take probably about probably 30 minutes to get through, you know, and it's probably going to take a little longer than that to really digest because it is put into uh you know some meaningful segments you break it up by stacking you know how that uh affected people adp value how that affected people depending on when they drafted there was roster construction you even looked a little bit into the fast and the slow drafts um so what what are your i mean let's just go ahead and you know say what what was the biggest takeaway for you because i know last summer you know the crazy best ball summer everything seemed to be about stacking but then also kind of later seemed to pick up this conversation about week 17 stacking mm-hmm. and correlation um and we, you know i've seen some arguments go back and forth on twitter about this whole concept this idea yeah. what, what are you know distill that for us 
Yeah. So I wanted to look at it closely because you're right. It became a huge talking point last year. And you know, the reason why it's a huge talking point, if you're playing in best ball mania, the prize pool is heavily slanted towards week 17. And in particular, it's like really top heavy in week 17. So um, as a result, you know, there's kind of two school of thoughts. There's one school of thought, which is, you know, the playoff structure in underdog best ball mania is completely random. Like you don't have much control over what happens there. So just try and advance as many teams as possible to playoff stages and then run pure. The other mm -hmm. school of thought is like, Hey, like our expected value is heavily tied into what happens week 17. So like maybe we should be building our teams to take advantage of that and think of it more of like a week, one week DFS contest for week 17 and just hope mm -hmm. that, you know, some of these really heavily playoff optimized teams are able to make it through. You know, I kind of land somewhere in the middle, but I really wanted to try and tease out like what's actual signal and what's noise as far as that conversation goes. And it's been hard to do because we, you know, historically we just don't have many contests like this and the playoff mm -hmm. weeks themselves, you've got week 15, 16, 17. It's a really small sample. You know, anything you try and tease out is going to be at the mercy of just what individual players happen to do that mm -hmm. week. So what I tried to do to kind of tease out the value of stacking was looked at each week, one through 17 last year, took all the playoffs from playoff teams from best ball mania three and pretended any single one of those weeks could have been a playoff week to just see like based on the structure of these teams, you know, what gives them the upside they need in a given week to finish top, you know, one out of 10, one out of 16, or in the case of the finals, one out of like 470 or whatever it was. And definitely found that stacking mattered a ton. So there's definitely merit to week 17 game stacking. You know, the more quarterbacks you have stacked, the better in terms of same team pass catchers. And then if you can add opponent bringbacks to that to get a full game stack, it definitely increases your odds you know, because it's less things you have to get right. You take advantage of the correlation. We might not know exactly what's going to happen week 17, but we know who's playing who and we know those players are positively correlated with one another. Exactly. And again, like if you go with the player takes, um, you know, you kind of open yourself up to some of these later round picks, you know, so here this one says Tua, Jalen Waddle. you know, a lot of people probably had those kind of stacks, you know, thought, but then you get where you really get those differentiators of those late guys, Tyquan Thornton. Okay. And you only really got there because you were, you know, viewing that game a certain way. I ended up doing that a lot kind of by accident with uh, KJ Osborne last season. Um, I don't remember exactly what week it was towards the end there, but I know I had a lot of Kirk Cousins and a lot of KJ Osborne, which was dirt, you know, free, you know, it was free. And I yep. you know you can only get Justin Jefferson so many spots. Um, so I had a lot of him on teams and I'm doing the same thing this year because I haven't, I haven't checked out that actual game. I'm kind of like you, I'm a little less inclined to be excited about week 17 and I'm a little bit more, I like to think of the team overall and say what kind of team structure sets up to, even if it's not a great game, they are going to be by default throwing a lot, scoring a lot, maybe because their defense is crap, maybe because their offense just moves a lot. Um, that's one of the reasons I kind of avoid Baltimore in general, just the number of plays, um, you know, kind of being a little lower, play style being a little slower, et cetera. But what is, you know, I have you here, what is the Week 17 matchup of 2023? Like what's the one people are are really focusing on? So, and maybe where can we where can we pivot? I th the one people are really focusing on is, is Kansas City, Cincinnati. I mean, that's the one people really want. That's definitely shaping the ADPs up top a little bit between – 
Kelsey Mahomes getting pushed up and then T Higgins in that group. So that's the one people are keyed in on because it's two high powered offenses. It's likely going to be a really high scoring game for me. I'm not keyed in on anything. Like I view the draft as super dynamic, kind of what you're saying. Like as, as you draft players, you start to make assumptions about those teams to things that need to go right for that team to work out. And then you add in a correlation like on that. So like I'll stack any of the games, you know, just based on yeah. how my, my team sort of is unfolding, but Draft that game's that game's definitely got the most hype. Um, okay, okay. Which okay, let's circle. Let, let's let's get into what I love, which is player takes. Because I mean, I watch football. You know, you're an analytics guy. I, I love analytics too, but I always say, you know, there's qualitative and quantitative. You know what I mean? And you, you to do the qualitative stuff, you have to watch it. You know what I mean? You have to kind of get there yourself based on what you've digested with the quantitative stuff. Um, and so that's kind of where I come to. That game, I'm interested that so many people are going out of their way to take Travis Kelsey so high, but I can get Kadarius Tony in the fifth, sixth, seventh round sometimes pretty regularly. And I feel like his upside as a micro player take is completely unacknowledged. And it reminds me of Tyreek Hill, who before he was, you know, the bee's knees, it was a similar situation, unacknowledged upside. And yeah, maybe, you know, but the Chiefs never have a wide receiver one. And Alex Smith is meh. But it's like, well, but also Andy Reid kind of, you know, knows what he's doing and he handpicked Tyreek Hill. So there are these qualitative factors that you can pull out and say, but this is, you know, I feel like that's where we're at with Kadarius Tony. Um, I think it's funny. Again, micro player takes. I saw something huge this smart, you know, tweet about Jahan Dotson. He had like seven touchdowns on 35 receptions. He's a, you know, potential top 20 candidate. You know, people love riding his D. But, you know, Kadarius Tony basically did the same thing. I mean, you already have five, six, seven touchdowns on like two, three dozen touches, but like we can't gas him up. So it's it's just interesting that, you know, in my head, having our conversation, I've got Kadarius Tony on like almost every single one of my best ball teams right now, because if he hits, I've got him on. You know what I mean? Like I've just got so much and it was dirt cheap. It's drifting up. So what do you think about that? Finding player takes inside of these larger takes and sort of planting your flag in them. Yeah, no, I think it's super important. Like a lot of this stuff I do does seem like more macro strategy based, but I, I certainly have my specific player takes and I kind of try and like interweave them with the macro stuff. And I know Adam Levitan at Established to Run, like he's all about, you know, taking advantage of the player takes, especially if you're on different platforms that aren't as sharp, like you can really get ahead of the field on yeah. player takes. So um, player takes and like just takes on offenses in general. So for me, the Chargers this year is the team that I'm, really excited about have a ton of tar chargers exposure you know they bring over kellen moore i think they're gonna run that like a super fast pace i mean they already ran a ton of plays per game last year with kellen moore that could even be higher they're gonna throw a ton and just if you can unlock some of the efficiency from herbert you know he had kind of a boring low a dot last mm -hmm. year yeah. you know wasn't as successful down the field uh if you can kind of combine the efficiency with the volume like that offense could go nuclear so i definitely i mean there's absolutely room for interweaving you know the individual players yes yeah. i call that I, I i'm always just like making up stuff but i call it burn bias you know what i mean like it's where there was always going to be the next kareem hunt until we got burned so many times we just stopped talking about it For and sure. now it's like pacheco could but nobody wants to do that and it's like we'll just take pacheco and mckinnon and theoretically you've kind of got the next kareem hunt it was dirt cheap same thing. Everybody was so high on Justin Herbert last year. Everybody's been so high on Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts was a second and third round pick last year. His situation has arguably gotten better, and you can get him multiple rounds later now. You know what I mean? It's it's burn bias. It's like, well, I was so in. 
I now I've I'm suppressing the value. I inflated the value. Now I'm suppressing it. So like I love the 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 Chargers call out there because yeah, all those guys, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Austin Eckler still has super high value, but Justin Herbert much much more um, higher cost to get them on your teams last year. And I didn't have them hardly anywhere. I had a handful of Mike Williams, but um, yeah, now this year I must say all that I still am kind of avoiding them. I feel like they're a little bit especially their wide receivers. They're still a little pricey for their, their variability. There's no one who's really that guy. They all can have moments. So I just usually, if I take somebody, it's like Josh Palmer. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, eh, we'll get the one or two games he does. Yeah, I like the burn bias, though. That's definitely a thing. I'm with, like, Kyle Pitts is another one of the guys that I'm, I'm pretty on heavily this year um, in, in sixth, seventh round. It's just, I think people have overdone it, like, a season can only play out in one way, but that doesn't mean it was like predestined to play out that way. And you yeah. know, just the way Marcus Mariota handled that offense and whatnot, just a lot of the downside things all hit at the same time. It's going to be better mm-hmm. for Kyle Pitts. Thousand yard season as a rookie tight end still has, you know, kind of insane profile upside. Yeah. He hasn't even caught any touchdowns. He's caught one touchdown. Like y'all, like he has so much positive regression. If we really want to get into it, you should be, I mean, he should, his value should be going up. So here's the concept I have that's the inverse of that is what's happening with Travis Kelsey. Whereas two years ago, you could get him in the third round. This last year, you get him in the second round. Now the, the, the risk is higher. He's older. Things are changing around him. But his cost is the highest it's ever been. He's basically, you can't really go higher than Travis Kelsey's gone. I mean, at some point you have to go down. But now he costs the most. It's the opposite of the burn bias. It's like, well, I have to take Travis Kelsey in the first round. Or like, it's dumb not taking him. I'm like, no, like all the value to taking Travis Kelsey the last two years was the fact that you got him later because people didn't want to believe. Now you're overpaying and he's you're set up to get hurt, in my opinion. So I haven't taken Travis Kelsey at all. I'm a Chiefs fan. I love the Chiefs. <laughs> I have zero, literal zero. And I saw Mason Dodd tweet this out the other two, and he's a sharp. He said he has zero Travis Kelsey this year. And that guy drafts three or four times a day. <laughs> I don't have zero, but I'm probably underweight. We have him ranked a little bit behind the market, and it's it's tough. But what you're saying is correct where – I think the last few years, people are like, oh, it's it's a tight end that's getting a little bit older and they're a little conservative and he just keeps paying off and keeps paying off. And now people are like, well, he keeps paying off, so I don't care about the age, Bingo. but it's actually the age risk is getting higher and higher. So it's, I mean, th- those situations to me are always the toughest though, where you have like this systemic age risk, like older tight end, but the production's been there and the setup looks amazing because you're playing with like the best quarterback ever. Ever, and yeah. Uh, on the team that's going to throw no matter what and you're right there's not much serious target competition so it's he's a tricky one Um, he is he is so tricky ah he's slippery on the field and in 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 basketball Uh, all right, so let's let's. I want to segue that into another conversation, which is, and I'll take this off the screen. I don't know why I pulled this up. Um, what are your? So I have this kind of issue because I'm just I don't know. I'm a weirdo. I think about the fact that the best ball, the the rates, the advancement say you know two to three tight ends is kind of optimal, right? So I step back and say most people slash everyone is going to be drafting in that two to three tight end range anyway. So wouldn't that kind of be a 
kind of be a defeated metric to look at for advancement rates? Wouldn't you really want to look at that position more from an outlier perspective? Since most people are already, you know, most teams that are going to advance are probably already going to have two or three tight ends by default because most people are going to draft in the structure that you're putting out there. That's the reality too. Most people are drafting in these sort of set structures. So is there, is there something to be said about going out of your way to sort of create these a different team? So, and I, I say that, and I go by saying all that, say I've been drafting a lot of one tight end teams. I know it's dangerous. I know it's fragile, but my thought process is this. If I get one extra player on my roster or two, that are able to put up a 17 or 18 point game, like a KJ Osborne, kind of out of nowhere. Is that three or four or five extra points that they're going to have over their usual going to be enough to kind of float the fact that my tight end is only going to put up what every other tight end puts up. And it kind of, I don't know, in my head, I can kind of see it like almost as an algebra problem where it's like, I feel like if I can catch lightning in a bottle or give myself two more extra shots at that, what's the difference between another two or three points from a different tight end? Like if Edgar and Ingram gives me six this week, you know, and then Dallas Goddard gives me nine and then the, Oh God, my third tight end gives me 11. I mean, okay. So I get 11 points instead of six, but I'm giving up a player that might get 24 that week at two random touchdowns. You know what I'm saying? Do you kind of get, yeah. do you kind of see what I'm saying there? And so my, my question is, and so I, because I'm not, you know, I'm a qualitative guy. I'm just drafting a bunch of one tight end teams and I'm seeing what happens. Like that's literally kind of where I'm at and I'm going in on my player takes. I'm going on balls deep on David and Joku and Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson. They've both been floating up, but I've just been consistently getting them all off season because I think that there's something here. Um, now, if he, if he gets hurt, so be it. But then I'm just like, so what? I lose 10 points that week, but I've put another player on my team who might give me, just as many points to kind of replace that. And the only, and I'm, I even started thinking, what if you don't even draft tight end at all? But I think to actually have your team go through, you have to hit the roster a little bit. So you have to have at least one, but what are your thoughts on kind of these extreme sort of outlier idea, like a concept like that, especially for a one-off position like tight end in particular? Yeah. I mean, first off, I love people experimenting with different bills and stuff. Like, as you said, some, some of the, we don't have data on some of this stuff because people aren't willing to try it. So we don't necessarily know if it's good or not. So, I like that. The one tight end stuff, I see some merit to it if you're playing like drafters style where it's like weeks one through 17, like total points. Mm -hmm. um, I don't like it for like best ball mania with the way the playoff structure works for a few reasons. One, like anytime one of these tight ends has had these, you know, one of these huge seasons, generally the advance rates are good if you only take one, which mm -hmm. is in your favor, but they're like just as good if you take two. And so my thought process is kind of like you're taking on some extra risk for sure without necessarily getting in, you know, all that extra reward. It is great to have that extra roster spot for a guy to like maybe bank, you know, a huge upside week. But mm -hmm. sometimes at the other positions, you reach like, a you know, a diminishing point of returns where, <clears throat> you know, you've got, you know, do I need need an, even need an eighth or ninth wide receiver? So the other thing is like in best ball mania, the way the playoffs work, like let's say Njoku goes nuts, right? And you have all this mm -hmm. single Njoku tight end teams. He's going to be super heavily owned come the playoffs, right? Because he had such a great year. What you needed to happen happened. And that was great for your teams because you got them all there. But now you've got like a high owned player in the playoffs that you need to do well. And there's no way for you to get unique at tight ends 
if like he has a bad week or, or just some other tight end pops off because, and, and I care about that more in best ball mania specifically because having like some uniqueness matters where if you mm-hmm. take Kelsey, you know, sometimes I even go the opposite way. You take Kelsey. If you take a couple of tight ends later, you might end up with this combination that hits in the playoffs that, you know, nobody else has because everyone who, who drafted Kelsey only took, you know, one tight end, for example. Yeah. But yeah. I do think if you're looking at the regular season prize for best ball mania, one through 14, that's where I think just going with one tight end has a bit more upside where like you think that David and Joku has like the nut season that he needs to have. And then you've got your super robust at all the other positions. That's where I think, I do think you get some upside in terms of season long points scored. I just don't like it with the way the playoff weeks work. Yeah. Well, my thought process there too, with it being in Joku is like you say, he doesn't even have to really have the nut season. He, you know, he'll mm-hmm. kind of maybe edge you in. And I wouldn't even say that a lot of people would have him. You know, a lot of teams that maybe did get in Joku, you know, again, they probably have two or three other tight ends. So my teams are going to be That's structured fair. by default much different than every other team that has him. You're giving yourself one extra chip at a position, then you know no one else has it, um, no matter which one it is. If it, is it that third or fourth quarterback if you want to get wild? Is it that Zach Moss, which I got a ton of Zach Moss, um, on teams because it's kind of like he's totally free. No one's drafting Zach Moss right now. I'm like week 17, you know, Jonathan Taylor loves to get a little banged up. Who knows what's going to happen? And now I can just do that because I have one tight end and it's just like, it's just a freebie. You know what I mean? And that's a way to get totally unique. So then I know that the Njoku teams are kind of by default going to be totally unique builds. So I don't know. It's just, again, something I've been experimenting with. And I kind of do that just because, like I said, I've read the manifesto and it's kind of, you know, I hear guys, you know, talk about their favorite builds, the strategy and, you know, what's optimal to advance and all this. And I'm always just like, okay, but if everybody starts doing it, you know, you kind of have to start. Yeah. It's hard to know like, yeah, where to get unique. Sometimes it's hard to get like super unique, like with just structurally though, like it comes down to like players, but I'd rather like, I'll get weird at say, you know, once in a while, if I get three or four really good running back values in the first, you know, eight rounds, like I'll stop at three or four running backs. And I think that I like that a little bit better because you still are covered for, you know, bye weeks guy gets hurt a little bit. Mm-hmm. You can still cover that, but ultimately, like with Njoku, you're kind of just making this bet that okay, I took the right running backs, they stay healthy. If they stay healthy, my team's probably gonna advance because you know I have extra roster spots to play with. You know, all these other teams are taking like six running backs. I've only got yeah. three or four. I can yeah. draft 10 wide receivers, I can draft you know three to four tight ends, I can draft yeah. three quarterbacks. So I, I do like to mess around with the builds. I just the onesie position's hard for my math brain to get past the uh, yeah. like yielding the bi-week points and like yeah big old zero but the thing is you know yeah. all th- th- my thing is as a consumer during the season i go and i don't ever max i don't max enter like i'm not that deep in it like, yeah i hand draft all my shit you know what i mean like i'm every team i kind of know a little bit about or remember oh i fell asleep in this one or some of them are like oh this one's trash actually i looked at a team the other day that i labeled trash two months ago and i was like dear god this team's amazing so it's just like it's crazy how like things can change so quickly For in our sure. perspective but um I like to, you know, really get in there and and, and make those decisions on my teams. Uh, and I don't, I don't know where I was really going. Yeah, go generally where I get weird too is, I, like, like I like to get a ton of ADP value. I know a lot of people draft like a little, and I still, you know, integrate my player takes, but I'm probably more lukewarm, a little bit boring sometimes. Agnostic about draft. who's getting you the score. Yeah, somewhat agnostic. That's that's a good way to put it. But you know what. 
within that though, sometimes you end up on some weird builds just because you're like, Oh, I'm going to take this really good value. It doesn't seem like it fits, you know, structurally this wouldn't make sense normally, but I'm going to build around that knowing that like, I'm going to have the best version of this team. So I just had a team where I took Mark Andrews round three and George Kittle fell like a full round past ADP. And I'm not even like really in on Kittle this year, but I was like, I'm going to take him here. You know, you know, mm-hmm. I kind of, part of me wishes that I got that Kittle value in another draft where I didn't have a tight end yet. But yeah. at the same time, that's going to be a unique combination, Andrews and Kittle. And I didn't give up, you know, some wide receiver value that you as love. much as other teams would because he fell around past ADP. You know, I got him in the, the seventh round basically. And I still got those fifth, sixth round wide receivers in those rounds where other people are taking Kittle. So that's sort of where I'll end up weird. It's like, I'm not necessarily going into a draft saying like, I'm going to do double elite tight end, but if it slips and I get the value on it, yeah, I'll mess around and kind of change what I had intended to do. I agree. One of the things I noticed last year, and I've noticed when I go into my pools and look kind of like what you said with these short bench running back teams, I saw quite a few teams in my pools uh, that advanced with me in some of those I did or did advance ahead of me that had teams where it was like the player takes really carried them. Like they had like, I remember one team had like four running backs and only three of them scored points. So that means his fourth running back never scored more than the three he picked before. You know what yeah. I mean? So he just nailed those picks and he had uh, wide receivers, like his bottom two or three wide receivers. They never came off his bench. So sometimes I, that's kind of where I look at teams like that, where I'm like, if you really, you know, the teams that win are the teams that really end up nailing the player kind of narratives. You know, the Saquons, you know, just take him. You know it's going to work out, kind of. George Kittle last year, oh, you know, kind of the same thing happened to you this year, too. It's like he's never been as cheap as he is right now. You know what I mean? And that two or three years ago, he was ahead of Travis Kelsey in Dynasty. I remember getting in arguments with guys about that, and they were like, oh, George Kittle's so young and amazing. <laughs> and now it's like people just completely forget. It's just like, again, this the game we play is so – hot and cold luke you know you know people they they hold these takes so tightly for like six months and then it's and they're just gone they don't care anymore it's just totally different so i don't have nearly enough george kittle i mean you bringing it up sounds like a synchronicity to me i need to start adding him into the uh to the one tight end strategy because uh david and joku like you said we get one uh we get one grain of salt in the uh the computer chip or that perfect little body of his and we got a lot of zeros out there And nobody's coming in to save me. Nope, nope. Yeah. I got to get you on uh, off this one tight end kick. You know, no, try it on some I'm of your teams. It. it seems like you're going all in on it, man. It's I'm, not all in. It is all in in my puppy too. I think. I think I. I only did like a ten or a ten or twelve of those, but I think eight or nine of them are all just David and Joku by himself. And I'm like, let's just see what happens. I mean, let's just rip it. Um, so you know, we'll see what's up. I, I don't. I don't Wait, mind. You know, would be. I think if you wanted a modified version of that is takes in right like so, so this this time maybe so this time of year especially round 16 17 18 the running back wide receivers like we're taking guesses right like a lot of these guys can be zeros but some of the tight ends that are going that late are like we know they're going to be starting tight ends Tyler so Conklin. if you play like the two tight end within joku and take like a super cheap ty conklin super cheap you know jisiki or hunter henry then maybe, you know, you still get the upside of you didn't devote much capital at all into the tight end position. If Njoku carries you, that's great. But, 
know, you cover yourself at least. But if my there. team advances next year, when you do best ball manifesto five, all these teams <laughs> are going to go into the two, three tight end pool. And this is all going to be for not. So I we'll, got to we'll create gotta, a two tight end pool where you only drafted David Njoku and one, a 16th round. This 18th I, like I said, I'm interested. I want to see how many of these teams and how far they go. I, I, I mean, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be fun. Three, I mean, I'm crazy. Three years ago, same year that I was talking up uh, Travis or Travis Kelsey and everybody was on George. Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I was a huge fan of flexing a tight end. I remember I had a season where I played uh, Travis Kelsey and I had like Austin Hooper that year that he went crazy. So I flexed mm -hmm. him like every week. And I was like, oh, God, I was like, if you hit on your second tight end, just flex them. Screw, you know, a third wide receiver and all this. I tried it the next year with Dallas Goddard and my team just pfft, didn't work. Yeah. So I kind of gave up on the three tight end strategy. <laughs> that wasn't best ball either. So maybe it works in best ball. I don't know. But like I said, I'm, I'm always down to like try crazy things. And that's partially because just from my fantasy football journey, like I'll never forget. The, you know, you never forget your losses. Like I had this one it's an anecdotal story. I've told on this channel a couple of times, but I'm going to tell it again. My, one of my first leagues I was ever in was playing with some guys from softball. It was like 2016, 17. And the guy, you know, the guy, you know, the drunkest, the loudest, the dumbest, the most fun of the group, you know, he's in the draft and we're all, still a live draft because this is uh, five, six years ago. We still did that. Um, you know, we were still communing with each other and we're in the draft. I shit you not. And I mean, we all know better. Everyone in the room knows better, but him. In round like four, five, six, he took three tight ends. And this is a regular redraft thing. He took like Delaney Walker. He took like um, somebody from like Denver because he's a Denver fan. And he took some other ridiculous, terrible tight end. Like it was the dumbest thing ever. He won the league. Okay. He won the league. And we we're all like, it's tilting. But it's also humbling and a reminder that like no matter how cool i feel like i am how smart i feel like i am how stupid i feel like he is this game is is it's it's kind it's not random but it's it doesn't necessarily make though. sense yeah i mean he no, wasted three picks right in the middle of an early draft on tight ends none of them were even like top 12 tight ends that season i think delaney walker might have been like top eight and he won the league and i've just i always take that into every draft with me like the guy it just it doesn't matter. It's literally it's just do your best, have fun, and you don't really know what's going to happen. So I've I've always kind of just I've been willing to take shots since I saw that. <laughs> yeah, no, I did a pod a couple weeks ago, and like you, you can't be afraid to look stupid, right? Like you got to push the envelope a little bit. You want to be a little bit uncomfortable to kind of try things and get unique. And and like at the end of the day, it's just fantasy football, you know. It's like not a big deal, but I think a lot of people are too afraid to kind of look dumb. Like they want a crutch to lean on, whether it's like, you know, even the research I've done, like it says what happened last year and it's not saying what's going to happen the next year, but people, people want to kind of tick the boxes exactly what I said. And it's like, the point is to try and really understand what happened last year. And so that way we know why it happened. It's not to repeat that, you know, mm -hmm. verbatim the next year. History is informative. That's why I always tell people it's not, you know, indicative of what's going to happen. 
Um, and it, it's something that gets lost, like you said, in a game where there's it's two sides of the same coin, quantitative, qualitative. And it's very easy to crutch yourself on the quality, quantitative stuff, because in 51 percent of realities, you're right. Right. So, you know, you can't you know, I can't argue with you. I can't argue with that. Even if you were wrong in this one, you know, you can kind of fall back into that. So that's why I always say, like, I'm more of a consumer first, because doing the fantasy football talk, you know, it, it is it's all conjecture it's all projections but when you get out there on the field and line them up i'm like look let's do your guys versus my guys i don't care about what you say like can you beat me this week it's like michael scott and when he runs past the the sign and the car goes by him and it goes like 20 35 miles an hour and the oscar is like beat it beat it they're like you weren't running that fast it's like screw you i don't care if you had the best <laughs> team ever i won you can't beat yeah. it yeah another anecdotal story just quickly i remember my first year playing fantasy i had martavis bryant some jackass in my league had Antonio Brown that week, and we were going head to head. He was like, oh, I'm gonna beat your ass, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, uh, but and I moved Martavis Bryant up, so they went head to head. Bryant beat him, and again, that's one of those moments of fantasy. I was like, all right, like trust your gut, trust your guys, you know what I mean? Like, just because a guy at the end of the season might have everything checked off, you know, like a Michael Pittman or a Chris Olave, doesn't mean they got that dog in them like an A.J. Brown does or, you know, maybe a C.D. Lamb who hasn't put up all the right numbers just yet. So I always keep those those variables in mind. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about some of you. You have a, an hour, right? I don't want to push you past you. I yeah, I'm, I'm good. I got like an hour, but then I got to jump. Yeah. OK, yeah. For, OK, so I like want to talk a little well, we'll talk a little bit about the different um, contests on underdog because I would listen to you and um, oh, what's his name? Hersey. Uh, Her yes, the other day you guys were talking about the the different formats. This is something I didn't really pay attention to enough, I don't think. And it's honestly, it's the payout and advancement structures. It's like some of these tournaments, even though they have a little bit higher buy-in, they're where you want to be playing, I think, because you're going to go a little bit further by default. You know, it's a little higher barrier of entry, but like the payouts are starting a little smaller. But it's like I would much rather advance four. I have a one third chance of going and I feel like against the field, you know, I have more than a 50 50 chance against anybody in fantasy. So like I saw that and I was like, whoa, like I need to be in more Bulldogs, more Dalmatians, because I'd been kind of hanging out in these puppies, these low, these lower end drafts. Um, what are your kind of thoughts about the variety of drafts that under and we'll just stick to underdog right now for the purpose of this conversation what do you think about yeah. like the variety of contests that they have uh and are offering when what do you kind of think about best ball mania five four five four or five are we on four we're on four 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 what do you think about that just in general because i have some kind of thoughts just in a general sense uh, i kind of want to I'll, I'll riff in a little bit but what are your thoughts on the, the platform how they're doing that payout structures etc yeah a consumer, i mean you know not as somebody I, that's maybe maybe people that aren't um subscribed to establish the run that listen to us though maybe they're only doing 40 50 drafts a year right what, what would you sell those people so first of all i like that they're introducing a lot more variability in the contest last year they basically had best ball mania and then the puppies which the puppy was just kind of a smaller version of best ball mania you know kind of super large field tournament you know you can you can draft a bunch of teams you've got a shot at like a pretty big grand prize relative to what you put in but like it's pretty unlikely you're actually gonna gonna yeah. win that prize. So to me, I always say I say this when I do DFS content in season two. You kind of one, you kind of want to know what your advantages and weaknesses are, like as far as what draft makes most sense for your skill set. But more than that, like just like entertainment-wise, like what you'd prefer to do, you know. Part of the reason I started playing small field DFS tournaments was I wanted to, you know, if you play like 
a 200 person DFS tournament or a hundred person size, like over the course of 17 weeks, you're going to have a couple weeks where you've got a chance. You're not necessarily going to win, but you're mm-hmm. going to, you're going to have that sweat. And it's the same thing for best ball. You know, if you enter some of these contests where you said like four out of 12 advance out of the first round of the regular season, but then even after that, some of them are like three out of eight advance or two out of eight advance, mm-hmm. two out of eight advance. And then you're in like a 40 person field for the finals. You know, you might not, you're not going to win $3 million. Like you could win in best ball mania four, but yeah, you, you might have a realistic chance at winning like 20 K or something, which yeah, is you're still, competing. Again, you're that's competing, kind of the, right. the consumer. That's the thing. It's like, I feel like all the, the that's why so many men play this. Cause it's like, it's a way to, I hate the saying, but live vicariously. It's like, okay, like I'm not a head coach. I can't put this whole team together. I can't put together a practice. I don't have the funding, but guess what? I can download this app. I can pick out the guys who I think are good and then I can have them play other guys and I can still like be Belichick of my you know couch or whatever it may be. Um, like you said, that sweat, that moment, that, 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 that feeling. I mean, that's what we're chasing is a feeling, right? It's a dopamine. Yeah. Hit, call it. And like, you know, if you don't like, if you think the week 17 stuff is stupid and like doing the correlation, you probably want to play something that's not as super top heavy in the playoffs. Right. Because mm-hmm. You're going to be hurt if other people are stacking week 17 and you're not. But if you're playing, like they just did a, they just announced a new tournament called the Chihuahua. I think it's a $4, it's a $4 entry. So, you know, and they have all the states too, which, so now we're starting to see some of the structures that you mentioned in the higher state stuff, make their way to lower stakes, which is nice. But even this has, you know, you can turn into a pretty good chunk of change, but it's a lot flatter price structure, you know? So yeah, I noticed that to have as much emphasis on the playoff stuff. So there are all things to consider. I just love that they're trying new things and there's more variability because it was a little stale to me last year to just have best ball mania and the puppy, which again was basically just a version of best ball mania. I I love best ball mania. You know, it's fun, but it's, it's a weighted lottery, right? Like, yeah, you can can put the odds in your favor a little bit, but you're essentially still playing a lottery. Yep. You need to, you have, I mean, essentially I, I you kind of have to get in that max enter mindset too. I feel like for something like that and at 25 K or 25 bucks an entry, it's like, I guess for a consumer, you know, I pull it down to something a little more scalable for me personally. So I've kind of just been taking my shots there and I'm a, and like you said, the payout structure is so top heavy. I'm just like, I would be more inclined to put that money into some of these other tournaments that are a little bit smaller field, maybe where I know some of the people, you know, and it's also fun, just like you said, to watch the leaderboards, you know, some of these guys, especially if you've been on underdog mm-hmm. three, four, five years. I mean, you know, some of these names, um, you know, some of these guys that you're competing against. So it's a little, you know, it also adds a, an element there, you know, a fun and like rivalry or whatever you want to call it. So um, I, I've been getting into some of those smaller, you know, entry, you know, three to five entry higher stakes ones just because i think that i think that i'll have a little bit better shot of getting some returns on those personally this year um and just based on the payout structures too i saw i was like okay this seems like it, it makes a little bit more yeah. sense and if you now your player takes like you know we go, went back to the one tight end thing right some of that is tough in best ball mania because of the way the playoff weeks work where like you need this weird combination of like uniqueness and you need a good team mm-hmm. whereas you know, if you just nail that one tight end strategy and the advance rate is, you know, two out of eight or two out of six or whatever it is, now you don't need kind of some of those random things to take advantage of the playoff weeks as much. Like just having the best team matters a little bit more than yep. having like this correlated setup. So bingo. Um, I've been thinking about that more too. Just like draft, getting back to just drafting like I dra- like I want to win. 
just drafting the best guys there are, you know, instead of being like, oh, well, you know, theory dictates that this is the best. And I'm, I'm just like, back up, brother. Like, Let who, me do my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. It's like, so who do you want to take? Like, who do you want to take right here? All right. Well, then, then I kind of reconcile those other things instead of being like, what does reality tell me I should do? Which is why I have so much Kenneth Walker too. It's kind of obscene, but he's by Josh Jacobs this year. And I was heavy on Josh Jacobs. I think I had Josh Jacobs. I'm like, 40 some odd percent of my teams last year. Oh, he wow. Devin, I took him and Devin single. I mean, he and Devin Singletary, I just took every time. And like, it was like, if one of these guys hits at this ADP, it, I mean, it's a wrap. And one of them hit, and it was a, you know, what I mean, and the other, I mean, Singletary still did way outperformed his ADP. I think he was going off the board as like a running back three by the end of it. Same with Antonio Gibson. Sometimes it's just like, who's going to be good this year? Okay. Yeah. Like, and then I'll just figure out the rest of the stuff later. You know what I mean? Um, it's just yeah, about Walker. Not to get too micro, but Walker Walker is probably my highest owned of the, like the early running backs. So. That boy, see, and he's not early. He's like you can get him. Well, here's my thing on my board. I have him round five, but that this is this board is two weeks old. I took him at four oh one yesterday because it's like that now because people are catching up. You know what I mean? The the Ch Cabernet or I can't even say his name right. All Cabernet, Cabernet, whatever. He's irrelevant. <laughs> he's the news Amir White. He's just a guy. He, they just need someone else in the backfield. And I'm sure he'll have his part to play. You know what I'm saying? That's fine. And that how I handle, you know, another micro take, how I handle Pacheco is I just draft Pacheco in the fifth or sixth or seventh. Sometimes, well, you could get him in the eighth back in the day. And then just take McKinnon in like the thir 12th, 13th, 11th, whatever it is. Then it doesn't matter who has the one, the week. You get both of them. You know what I mean? And sometimes I think, again, it's like, don't big brain yourself. Why would I take some shitty running back in the 11th round who might be amazing when I could just take the one who, when Pacheco's not amazing, He's going to be amazing. You know what I mean? Like in my head, it's like, it's not, we overcomplicate it. It's like, well, I want to take him. Fuck. Take Clyde Edwards Alaire too at the end. I mean, just lock it up, figure it out. So, so Daenerys Prince makes the team and uh, just, just messes with your whole strategy. Well, <laughs> you know, well, we'll see how it goes. But I mean, you know what I'm saying <laughs> there though? It's, yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, it's it's we're reconciling different kinds dynasty okay well i need a handcuff well it's not technically a handcuff in best ball it's just a guy who might be a starter in week 16 uh all of my zach moss take i mean the dude caught like 40 i think he caught like 40 pass he had like 90 touches last year you know what i mean like and he missed like seven games like he played zero games because the bills were like get we don't want you anymore like you just sit but he was still fantasy relevant he had like a hundred yard rushing game last year like week 16 17 he's completely free what we know about Jonathan Taylor, he gets a lot of touches. Well, he also had an ankle injury. So it's just like some things I'm just like, why not just take them both? You know what I mean? Like if you're in that spot, instead of taking Corey Davis, which I do take a lot of Corey Davis, just take Zach, Zach Moss instead. You know what I mean? Just lock up that maybe 11, 12-point game that you might desperately, desperately need in week 16. So I, I, I like the micro takes. I think sometimes we get into, again, that's why I say on a consumer level, you know, because I don't have a massive bankroll, you know, I, and people who do, they're probably already with establish the run and look at stuff like that. But, you know, when you back out and you look at the consumer and the, the, the competitor, you know, I want my guys, you know, I want to, you know, it's like betting on your horses, you know, I want to have a stable of dudes who, who rock. So, and I say all that and I'm sitting here and all I can think about is I need to start drafting more Cabernet to back up my Kenneth Walker takes. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm torn on the, the handcuffing. Like you said, it's not necessarily a handcuff. I do like it in like a Walker, you know, uh, charm situation where it's, they each have their role. So, you know, uh, Walker is not going to be as involved in the passing game, but he's your home run hitter. He's going to get 
the majority of the carries. You know, Charbonnet is going to get a bit more work in the past game. So depending on the game script each week, like either one of them could be viable. And then, like you said, if one of them goes down, the other's going to be in a really good spot. So if I'm going to do it, I kind of want dual role. Where I'm careful with it is if I'm just like, you got to be right that the, you have the depth chart right. Like, I don't like to mess with it as much if I don't know yeah. about the depth. Because, like, the worst thing you can do is draft the handcuff and then not even have the right guy. Yeah, the right know? one. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, why you, that's why these player takes. I mean, I play with conviction. Go heavy. I mean, I that's I you know don't draft Zamir White. Don't draft Kenyon Drake. You know, I've some of these guys. I'm just like I'm not buying in. You know, but the guys I buy in on Jamal Williams. He worked out for me last year too. Quite a bit of spots. Um, I just I know what Jamal and players are who they are. After a while, you can tell who a guy is. He'll show you who he is, and the, the coach will show you how they use their players. So it's, I feel like sometimes we overcomplicate it as analysts, um, saying, well, this might happen or that might happen or you know whatever. DeAndre Swift, a perfect example. He's probably never been as valuable, in my opinion, or set up to succeed as much as he is right now. And for whatever reason, the burn bias, you know, how long has he been a top three dynasty running back? How many years did it take for people? Now he's trash. He's basically in the flex. People are drafting him as a flex player, like, you know, because they've been burned because, you know, the talent didn't actually, you know, follow through. He's in a spot now where the guy behind him is Rashad Penny. I mean, we know how that we know how that I mean, again, players show you who they are. We know what's going to happen with him. DeAndre Swift. Eh. We know who he is, and we know at his very best, he can be one of the best. Now he's on a team that's not the Detroit Lions. Like, this isn't complicated, but here we are, you know. So uh, I, I think finding the player takes – I'm kind of like Adam Levitan in that in that, that mindset where it's just like, that's again, that's why I'm here because I watch – I play football. I like football. And I, you know, if I can find a guy that somebody else thinks is not good or isn't going to make them some money, well, if I can make some money and be right, why not? <laughs> Best of both worlds. Literally, yes, yes, yes. Um, all right, let's see. I don't really, you know, this has been a good conversation. Like I said, I didn't really have a whole, whole, whole lot of things um, that I wanted to focus in on. I would just recommend everybody go check out your best ball manifesto. You do, you've updated it this year. It is thick. You can go back and check out the one from last year. Um, I did a thing a couple of weeks ago where I took every section of it and I threw it into chat GPT and I had it distill it down for me and say, okay, like, what is the main <laughs> takeaway of this? What's the main takeaway of this? But for whatever reason, I was trying to log into my chat GPT on this to open it up and maybe pull it up. It was kind of getting, it's on the fritz, but um, I mean, that's, you know, you do a good job at the very end of all these, you have these kind of summarizations. So if you do want to do a TL DR, those are available, but Another thing you talked about was kind of the, the ADP closing lines. Um, can we? I just want to briefly talk about that because we are kind of in – we're in a moment, I wouldn't say flux, but we, we're in the thick of it right now. You know what I mean? It's June 21st. Uh, shout out to the summer solstice. But we're, we're there. You know what I mean? Like it's not a theoretical thing anymore. We're living in this sort of ADP – movement moment like i said like just i'm i got kenneth walker on this list in the fifth round confidently and i know now if i rewrote this list he's up around that's where you take him now so the the things are changing closing adp values are changing kind of give us a tldr on that and how you uh, address it and reconcile it yeah so in some ways it's a good way to like measure your player takes especially if you're drafting early you know if you're all if you, like deandre swift you think that come training camp there's gonna be a bunch of buzz on swift he's gonna go from like the seventh eighth round to the fifth round you take a bunch of them now your closing line value essentially is what you drafted the player at so let's say you take swift at, at pick 80 
he his ADP come September 1st is like pick 50. You've got 30 rounds of closing line ADP value. And you can kind of see on the chart that you have up that as you get Sorry. more and more there ADP value, like if your team's total ADP value is like one of the 10 per, top 10% best teams, you increase your advance rate in the regular season by like 50%, which is pretty Woo. massive to be able yeah, to do that. Yeah, that's big. So, that's big, big. So this is where I think is you kind of see the combination of player takes, but also kind of being smart as to when you draft guys. And the idea is to kind of like get the best of both worlds. Like you get the guys you want, but you know, you want to be aware of the prices you're taking them at. And if you, if you can now both those things, you can put yourself in a position where you're just at a really big advantage over the other teams. That's so smart. And so let's, Let's distill it down. Who are some players that you think are going to – who are valuable now that are going to lose some of that value going forward? Again, I just, Kenneth Walker is a perfect example to me. He's already floating up. I'm noticing it. Maybe you're noticing it as well. Deshaun Watson, another player I've noticed, has floated up a lot in the last three weeks um, just in yeah. some of the drafts I've been doing. Um, because, I mean, I was regularly getting him sometimes in the eighth, ninth round, and now he's on the board. I put an arrow. I mean, he's a seventh-round target now. And even in the sixth round, I'm paying attention to who has quarterbacks, what's happening around me in these drafts, if I still want him. But I'm at that point now to where it's like, okay, do I continue to target him? And I think he still is a great value in the sixth round. But what kind of teams am I building around him now versus the teams I was building two and three weeks ago? So who are some players that you think maybe haven't seen some moves up that we can still build around right now yeah there's a few guys that i like right now but um i think mike evans could move up a little bit you know a lot of people are on kind of like the the younger trendier wide receivers but a lot of consistency and we still saw this single week upside from evans in the playoffs last year um so he's kind of given how rich wide receiver adps are on underdog i think he could come up a little bit as some of these other like hype guys come down um, can i i want to touch on that because i have a i literally was looking at a i have so much mike evans too and i have a take on that i was looking at uh baker mayfield's numbers you know the dude's thrown like 25 plus touchdowns like multiple seasons okay his yardage is pretty bad but i looked at his touchdown percentage rate his career touchdown percentage if you take away his last season with the rams and carolina is 4.8 that's higher than average touchdown rate, okay? So then I went and looked at Tom Brady's touchdown rate, who his career and over the last couple of years, because he's been the Bucks guy, 5.2 across his career. That's not a big difference, okay? Now what do we have? We have a lesser quarterback who's going to focus in on who he thinks is good because that's what Baker does. He's on an offense that's probably going to throw more than he's ever thrown in his career. We have a, a defense going through flux. I don't know what's up with Shaq Barrett. I know JPP's gone. Sue's gone. Vita Vey is getting older, et cetera, et cetera. Mike Evans at wide receiver 35 with a quarterback who has nothing to lose, who has almost a 5% touchdown rate. I mean, and we know he's going to beat out Kyle Trask. This isn't complicated. It's not fucking calculus, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, Mike Evans, it, the, the, the idea that Mike Evans would go backwards makes zero sense to me. I mean, the, the he, I don't see how he doesn't stay almost exactly where he's been the last couple of seasons and definitely go higher than he went last year just based on the things around him. Um, and that's a, that's a micro player take. How did I get there? I didn't look at anybody's yards per route run. I didn't look at anybody's passing. You know what? I, I just looked at basic stuff. Who's the quarterback? What's he done in his career? What's, what do we know? Again, who is Mike Evans? 
If a guy hasn't, if my someone said show you who they are in 10 years, it's Mike Evans. Okay. Like at wide receiver 35, he's free money. I'm putting him and Kadarius Tony on so many teams as my wide receivers four and five. It's obscene. It's obscene. Um, and like you said, his ADP is going to go up, you know, especially if Chris Godwin tweaks something. He's one of these guys, the, the value is going, people are going to catch on. You know, it wasn't trendy the last few months, but people are gonna be like, oh shit, like, you know, and the guys he's drafted around, it becomes so glaringly obvious that he's the guy to pick there too. It's like, oh, I want Michael Pittman or I want Mike Evans. Well, this is, again, this isn't calculus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another guy I like kind of like similar range, but now that the rookie wide receiver ADPs have cooled off, I like Jordan Addison a decent bit. Um, if he, if it becomes clear in training camp, that he beats out KJ Osborne as like the, the wide receiver two and two wide receiver sets, his ADP is going to go up. And when we had a situation where we had Adam Thielen for years, kind of being like a fifth, sixth round pick in fantasy, if you get, and Minnesota is so concentrated, like obviously you've got Hawkinson and Justin Jefferson there. The take isn't that he's going to beat those guys. The take is that those, those guys are going to provide enough coverage for him to be pretty efficient and he can still run a ton of routes because they're, he's not going to be competing with those guys for routes. He's mm-hmm. competing with Osborne and, and the other wide receiver depth. So if he's you know a day one starter pretty close to it, you could still get a ton of closing line ADP value on him. I, I, I love that take too. And the Vikings are a team, you know, again, where they throw a lot, you know, I mean, it's just the targets will funnel to him. He could be George Pickens with an actual like meaningful target share. Um, you know what I'm saying? So I, I love that take too. And with, if, like you said, a thing, he's going to go up, it's cooled down, but I think people are going to start to realize again, like, Oh, like Adam Thielen's gone. And it's not like I've seen people kind of throw Adam Thielen out there. as like, he was not anything like even throughout some of his entire career there. But I'm like, this guy was there with Stefan Diggs and he was better than Stefan Diggs when he was there. You know, he played with Justin Jefferson. I'm sure that Justin Jefferson, you know, has learned a few things. I mean, he, he, he didn't end up where he is and, you know, have the career he's had by not being a good wide receiver. The last few years, I know he's had some injuries, et cetera. And obviously when you're playing next to God, you know, Justin Jefferson, you're not going to look great, even if you are pretty dang good. Um, who's the guy who used to be on Good Morning Football? It's kind of like that syndrome. Um, what was it? What was his name? You know who I'm talking about? Oh my gosh, I feel bad What's, now. Yeah, I'm, I'm blinking too. But I mean, like him playing his next to Randy Moss. It's just like, all right, bet. Like I'm, I'm, I'm still here, and I know I'm good. But I seed, I seed. You know, my I seed <laughs> note. So um, I'm actually kind of interested in. Well, I would say I would be interested in Adam Thielen if he landed on literally any team but the one he landed on. So. Uh, RIP to a, to a legend. All right. Well, I don't really have too, too much else to kind of dive into. Is there any other player takes? Is there anything else that you want to, you know, push people to, or is there any other, just something you want to get off your chest? You know, maybe this is a safe place. You know, we're not going to ridicule you for having to take this not plus EV necessarily. Um, I don't think I have anything too spicy, just in general, like these drafts are dynamic. So like you got to think your way through them, you know, but you're not, not every draft is going to be the same. So I do think like you want to have these hot player takes, but you kind of got to work through your roster as it develops, because mm-hmm. sometimes you're going to need different positions at different points during the draft. And this, if you're in best ball mania four, you're going to have to take into account the correlation. So just like be as flexible as possible without being dumb. <laughs> I guess kind of yeah, don't find that like middle it. ground. No one tight ends. Let me take the, let me take the <laughs> hit first y'all. And I'll let you all circle back on this in a year and we'll see how these teams do. But uh, I, like I said, I don't have anything else really to say. I don't want to use up too much more of your time. Appreciate you coming on, Mr. Leone. Uh, 
fantasy football fanatics, IDP Army, Dynasty Defenders, the whole squad. Appreciate you all. Make sure you thumbs up the video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you're listening to the podcast feed. And we do have merch if y'all want to get yourself a possum shirt. Go down in the, uh, I think there's a little bar underneath this video on YouTube. You should be able to get one there. Uh, they're pretty cool. So that is it from me, from the IDP Army. I'm going to go ahead and roll this outro, and we will be back next time. I have a dynasty. We're having an IDP show soon, y'all. I think we're going to be talking about the defensive units for AFC and NFC, kind of ranking them, talking through them. So uh, be back with that later this week. So I appreciate your time, Mr. Leone. Adios. Thanks for having me. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.